Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Hey, everybody. Amelia Baptist Roundtables. I'm not even sure what episode, but that's not 15. my job. That's, that's Clay's 15, job to figure 15. that out. We want to thank you guys for watching uh, the last one that we had a little break in between. And so I'm glad that everybody's picked that up. And it's available, as always, everywhere. I don't want to keep mentioning how often and where we're available. But we are available everywhere to listen to, as well as the YouTube channel, Amelia mm-hmm. Baptist Church. Subscribe to that, and you'll be able to uh, be notified whenever the sermons are on as well. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, today, Share that, too, exactly, with your friends. We, we will. We want, to, we want you to share what we're doing here. Um, some of these conversations... Uh, I think number one can be great avenues for conversations about the gospel mm-hmm. be, so they can be used in evangelism. And then the reason we do this is to really answer in detail and in depth a lot of questions. Most of the time we are pretty much covered in scripture, but there have been a lot of cultural things that have occurred, not just outside the church, but within the church. And one being our main topic for today's episode, the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern Baptist Convention took place in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. And it has been still all the rage, all the talk. There have mm-hmm. been only a mountain of articles, takes, opinions on what occurred, why it occurred, what is the future of the SBC, whether churches should continue to be in the SBC. So, of course, we've heard from pretty much everyone, and we are going to uh, lovingly give you our take and approach some serious matters with opinions uh, that we sort of have gathered uh, in conversations since that took place. Yeah, and one of her joking phrases since then has been, "You well, if you want to know about the SBC, just go check out CNN and the Washington Post, you know, because well, they totally know yeah, what's so going on there. Dylan's <laughs> mentioning that when you're at the SBC mm-hmm. and people send you text of, or that say, you know, hey, I've been reading the Washington Post. <laughs> How's everything with the SBC? <laughs> oh, what was, it was how, yeah, I've been reading the New York Times and they say the SBC is in a lot of trouble. Right. I'm just. I want to start with saying, I wouldn't check those publications yeah. for weather. Yeah. Let alone what's going on with the SBC. Now that's just my own personal bias. Read the New York Times if you want to. Uh, but when it comes to Southern Baptist Church and polity and what's going on inside um, the the kingdom of God and the mission of God uh, doctrinally, even between our Presbyterian. Um, brothers, our Methodist brothers, all of that. Just, there are better publications to go to for that, people mainly who have been there, and we did attend. Yes, yeah. So we are giving you the uh, front row seat. Yeah. Uh, kind of. If you haven't been completely bogged down with this stuff already. Right. <laughs> right. So you Dylan might was able be to turning go. it off now and be right. like, yeah. you know, I'll I skip this round. I don't want to hear any more about the SBC. Uh, there are a lot of good things to say. Yes. Um, Dylan came with us. I was able to go with my wife, and so Amy Jo was with us, and it was really the three of us had a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of great things we could talk about about just our trip, and so maybe cover that in some stories on another time. But right now, um, it did take place in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the reason why the Southern Baptist Convention meets annually is to discuss direction and purpose in sort of an ever-changing world. We even see that right now. Um, in our in the life of our Methodist uh, friends, several friends who are Methodists having to make some serious decisions right now within their denomination because of some anti-biblical um, things that have been brought to the attention of a lot of the members that the Methodist Church is standing for. And so we are consistently praying with them, of course. But there is a good reason to meet. There's good reason to discuss. But we want to get something right out of the way before we hit some of these topics. And 
Um, and Dylan asks a few questions and we sort of do our best to, to give a, a clear take to you guys listening. But there are 16 million people that are connected to the Southern Baptist Church um, in the United States. Right. 15,000 to 16,000 messengers were in this room. And a messenger was somebody that is sent by their local congregation uh, to be vote with their conscience and be a representative of that church uh, to the leadership there. Right. Um, so you're a voice of your local church, and that's what the, the SBC, SBC is. It's comprised mm-hmm. of local churches. And so it's weird to say that you're completely unified or some people might have left with maybe, I don't want to say that they had bad intentions, but maybe just an over-the-top sort of, we are unified, I promise. Um, There's a split in a lot of serious decisions. It was a 50-50 environment for a lot of things. And um, I think we just need to be very clear that you can handle this with maturity. It's 16 million people, 15,000 messengers. It'd be weird if everyone agreed. was uniform in thought on every single issue. Mm-hmm. And so we need to understand that there are different tiers to these issues. There are different levels of importance, and we're going to hit a few of them now. But I think mainly, uh, and this is my take, not fully representative of anyone else's, there are definite differences yeah. within, uh, within people of the, of the Southern Baptist Church right now. Some things that definitely need our attention. Yeah, so let me ask you here, you know, unity, um, that question's used a lot in um, culture and we want to be unified. Um, I would say my take, and just, you know, I want you to expound on this. My take is that we are unified as a convention, um, as a, you know, a, a body of churches here on the main things, the things that are important. Um, but like, like we kind of alluded to, we have a lot of different ideas when it comes to, you know, the drifts of culture and the threats to what the SBC stands for. So, um, I think, uh, and a lot of those drifts and threats are what you hear the most from publications like CNN, Yeah, you know, and that's what people hear the most. But I think we want to say in general, on the core things, the SBC is um, is solid yeah. on the things that are important. There. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I would completely agree with that. And uh, just to back you up, I know I think what received the most amount of attention, at least from the media or the, the sort mm-hmm. of secular press, is that there were four men nominated for the Southern Baptist Convention president. Uh, that's a person who nominates on committees. He leads the convention every year. So these are, these are important tasks. It's not something that, you know, why do you have a president? There's, there's a good reason. Um, but there was some very public conflict between Southern Baptist church leaders with these candidates. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, you could see the voting there. Um, Ed Litton won the presidency. We've known that, and (laughs) we're not going to mention anything else about Ed Litton. Um, that's taken place over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, you can pretty much do a Google search and it's been rather controversial ever since. Uh, but we'll let you draw your own conclusions there. And it wasn't a straight out vote when no. either it went into a second round. No, in so. fact, they did two rounds of voting. The mm-hmm. first round, Mike Stone had won that round by 36 percent, a thousand votes. Yeah. Um, so it was. It looked really good for Mike Stone in the first part. Um, Al Mohler surprisingly only took about twenty six percent, and then he was out. So the second round of voting was between Ed Litton and Mike Stone, and then. It seemed that uh, most all of Moeller's votes went to Ed Litton, yeah. and then several people had left in the middle of the, that voting, voting process. But you were around 42%, 47% on, on a lot of issues, and, and those are pretty 
different candidates in the mm-hmm. sense. Um, and I want to be very clear with the, with the stuff that we, the way we describe these men, because uh, this is not our job to slander. And it's not our job to get all up in arms about everything. And it's not our job to forget introspection and just become self-righteous. That there's one judge, one jury, and it's not us. So we just need to be very clear with what's biblical and what's unbiblical. And that's really the goal of this. But while there were certainly moments of passionate disagreement, the overall feeling of the messengers present, I thought, remained positive, even if their emotions were defeated. There was a maturity in the room that I appreciated. Um, The main thing stayed the main thing. There wasn't one person in there who would deny that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, and the world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, There's a great write-up by Greg Corbin, who's helped us with an outline to kind of explain our thoughts. I thought he just did a tremendous Mm -hmm. job on that. But Corbin mentions in his write-up that these pastors, two SBC pastors, uh, who were publicly and passionately on opposite sides of the SBC presidential race, um, I won't name them, even though I'm good friends with both of them, uh, they were cited by several eating Nashville hot chicken together at a restaurant after the convention, enjoying good fellowship. And so it just gives you an idea, and I think that's important, that in the SBC, you're getting a lot of melodrama. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and the social networks are ablaze because that's all they know how to do. Yeah. But when it comes to being able to sit down and break bread together, and in this case, eat chicken together, uh, they were able to do that. And so it's very mm-hmm. important that we understand that Jesus Christ is king and he's unifying his children spiritually, whether we disagree or agree on these things. But to say there isn't any threat uh, to the SBC or to write off yeah. major concerns is inappropriate. I think that's all. Yeah. Also and, and not true for right. We need so. to stop pretending and start being able to have mature conversations about differences and the way we've seen things. Yeah. And you know, as our culture continues to move away from God, um, we're going to see the things that are biblical, mm-hmm. uh, coming under more and more heat, uh, from the outside. Right. And so it's, it's expected that there are going to be challenges to, um, y- you know, what the Bible says. Sure. Absolutely. And so that's to be expected. And so I, you know, if I think it would have been concerning if we had gone there and there wasn't any major discussions on, yeah. uh, you know, key issues right. there. They so. all got mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Many got mentioned except for one. And I'm gonna get that in a little bit. Yes, exactly. Um, um major, but, one major question though. Yeah. That goes we on. have one major question that we've heard over and over again. I know I've heard it. I'm sure you have in a lot of your conversations, but, um, are we as the Southern Baptist convention going liberal, um, in our beliefs and right. what, what we stand for, where we're going, um, you right. know, should, should we freak out of panic right now? Because right. um, we just become this liberal church like some of the other denominations that we see. Sure. Now, this is what's interesting. When that question's asked, I like to ask another. I like to ask a question back to them and clarify what they mean when they say are going liberal. Yeah. I want to make sure that they're not trying to apply what's going on in the SBC under the bridge of political opinion. Right. Because these are different things. The church and the government or thank God, separate, different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all for their separation. Um, but here's what we need to understand by liberal in the way we mean it in the SBC, and that's off of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Very important to realize that. It has everything to do with J. Gresham Macon's definition of liberalism and Christianity and liberalism written right. in the 1950s. That's what we really need to turn back to, and are we getting off of that, where he prophesied a lot of what's going on right now 70 right. years ago. Right turning to their own devices, uh, turning to pragmatism, turning to human autonomy, moral behavioralism, all of that. Yeah. 
was was predicted by Jay Gresham Aiken. So we are about the scriptures. We want to do mm-hmm. what the scriptures say to do, and that's it. We want right. to be obedient to the word of God, which is the authority of the church. And it doesn't matter if that falls on on the political right or the political right. left side of the spectrum. It right. really has no bearing on right. what the and Bible I'm not, says. I'm not equating the agendas exactly. of these parties either. That's a political yeah. conversation. And if you want to look at those, we've had those in the last year and a half. Exactly. Have fun. I won't do it from the pulpit. I will not entertain these people who can only watch Fox News and never read their Bible. I'm not right. going to do it. So there's an are we going liberal and the question is answered by first saying that when it comes to the Baptist faith and message, which is like our confession, mm-hmm. the convention took no steps to alter that statement of faith. It is still the same. You can look yeah. for it anywhere. It's called the BFM 2000. Uh, if, you've, if you are a Baptist going into a Baptist church or even a non-denominational church, which you know is really just a Baptist church with a good website, then you need to look up the BFM 2000 yeah. and to see what you're and looking at. And it's key at. to understand that the you know, BFM 2000 was put into place because there were major doctrinal questions that were being brought up yeah. by leadership and some of the seminaries that yeah. were in the SBC and the churches actually came together and uh, stood up against it. Seminary and presidents, candidates, yes. all openly describe themselves as theological conservatives. And I think that question gets gets asked a lot, going back to what we said about the Washington Post and New York Times, is because they had described Ed Litton out of Redemption Church, who won the presidency, they had described him as a moderate. And they do that because compared to Mike Stone, who was campaigning on Fox and Friends earlier that day, right. he would be considered because conservative, the definition of it, and liberal has all changed since November of 2016. Exactly. We need to stop pretending that the last five years has not had an effect on everything. And personally, we just need to stand up as Christians and say, I'm not here for the stain of American politics and the way it is placed on everything. Yeah. I can acknowledge liberalism in the church if I see it according to Scripture. I can acknowledge conservative behavior if I see it according to Scripture. But we need to leave it at Scripture, and we need to stop evoking. It really everything. frustrates me, honestly. Yeah, it's a little bit um, anti-missional. Yeah, and it gets in the way of real conversation and debate, in my opinion, because it becomes convoluted. So it's unwise, and it's a shame. And the worst part that it does, whenever we put everything with a political stain, is it kills critical thinking. So as far as a takeaway for the SBC, because this is what it's about. All six presidents of our seminaries are staunch defenders of the inerrancy of Scripture and require all professors to teach in accordance with and not contrary to the 2000 Baptist faith and messages. That's what they've said. We're not going to open this up to our personal takes of these men. Mm -hmm. This is their profession, and we take them at their best. We see that that's the case. Um, I will not say we will never be liberalized. I refuse to say this over the top. We are of no threat of being liberal. We are no threat of going liberal. That is head in the sand mentality. There have been some things done by some of these presidents that do give us cause for concern. We are only going by their confession. So we are susceptible to any belief system if we get off the gospel just like anybody else. And so one thing I don't want the SBC to do is get cocky. Yeah. And I think it's important to say that, you know, the messengers reaffirmed the Baptist faith and message uh, unanimously pretty much there. Um, And so it's what we uh, go by as Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches. And I think that's important for us to, to remind people and understand that that core uh, belief of the inerrancy of the Bible and who we are when it comes to scripture and our mission um, to spread and be evangelical uh, is still important. I agree. Now, According to Corbin, he, and I think he words this well here, um, 
the SBC messengers were determined to see really the convention do better in terms of dealing with sexual abuse. And that was one of the the main um, topics, a a really big topic that was discussed over and over throughout the couple days we were there. So no one on the committee themselves being accused of doing this, no, no high evangelical thought leader accused of doing this. What they were talking about were these cases and sort of the mishandling of these cases mm-hmm. as high up as the executive committee, yeah, but yeah. mainly within the local church context. And, and here's one thing that needs to be pretty clear before we cast an opinion on this, uh, on, on what's happening. Yeah. So, so all Southern Baptists are in full agreement that every church should implement child protection policies and do everything it can to be a safe place for everyone. That was unanimous. Yeah, so that's not the no issue. question. All Southern Baptists are in full agreement that every church should report accusations of abuse directly to the authorities. This is not a social club. This yeah. is not your call. As soon as it comes across our desk, it goes straight to the law enforcement. Going to seminary did not prepare you to become a detective. Yeah, that is not your job. Your job is the gospel. You move other things over to those who are qualified to deal with them, and you do so immediately. So that's not the issue. That was unanimous as well, again, at least by confession. But there has been deep concern about how some SBC leaders have responded to some abuse victims, and that is what kept taking the microphone. Had they been given enough attention, had they been given the proper um, sort of outlet to express what they were going through, Um, But here's where people, I think, are confused on the polity. I think some people are wanting something of the convention the convention doesn't do. Right. And can't can't do. do, They have no no ability to. Because of how we're set up. And so because, you know, you're in an environment, really, no matter how you feel about it, where if you're accused, you're immediately guilty. So there's already a rather defensive posture Mm -hmm. for anyone who's accused. Uh, One, in the SBC, each church is independent. In other words, there is no top-down um, authority structure or high right. church polity. So, you know, just like we saw uh, the sexual abuse allegations right. in the Catholic church that have, have unfolded over the years and gone up and up and up and been hushed up by yeah. upper levels, that really in, it can't happen in no. the SBC because there are not those levels of hierarchy no, and isn't. leadership. And that's what people are realizing. They're like, why didn't the executive committees say something to these local churches and do something to them? And at the very least, I mean, I think the most they could possibly do is bring them up to the credentials committee and say, we need to consider, yeah, that they're going to go to the SBC. And they've done that before. So there has been some action, but they're asking some things of the executive committee that can't do. Um, And then that's left up to the accuser to whether or not they've done a good job. So we just need to be very careful Mm -hmm. before we start accusing everyone um, about what they're doing and how they're doing it. So again... And that also applies to the local conventions, like Florida Baptist Convention. Florida Baptist Convention, Um, local associations. They have no authority over these churches. These churches are congregations. The SBC is made up of local church. Uh, Corbin puts it this way. The national SBC has zero control or authority over any local church. The state conviction, convention, the local association has zero control or authority over any local church. So again, each SBC church owns its own property, calls its own leaders, and makes its own decisions. So we need to understand that when we talk about money for the mission boards and the seminaries, every penny of that money is given voluntarily by the church. No one's compelling us to do so. This is a local church with its own entity within a bigger entity. 
So that's the polity side of it. And as far as the accusations, there were several accusations presented at the convention. And I mean, there were some, one in particular that was very melodramatic from the spotlight. And it seemed like they were possibly hungry for just attention. And we just need to make sure again that we're being very wise and reasonable as we see those cases and make sure that the people who need that protection are getting it. So there are real concerns presented, but good character was shown on these issues, and everyone who presented an issue was heard. Yeah. So I, I had nothing to worry about from that, from that portion yeah. of it, outside of wanting to make sure that those accusations and several were legitimate. And again, this isn't about the committee doing something. This is about the committee mishandling something. Right. So apples and oranges yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think, you know, going all the way back to where we started, everybody unanimously agreed that these are serious issues Absolutely. that needs to be dealt with of course. by each church. And we do so uh, in our local and, church immediately. And, you know, any church should have um, safeties and protocols uh, mm -hmm. set in place to deal with um, those who have been right. victims I of agree. abuse. You ready to tackle so. a big one? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, maybe not. I'm <laughs> not sure. This, this has been, uh, Adam and I have had quite a few conversations on this. Mm -hmm. um, and we... We talked about this a lot at the convention. Um, critical race theory has been a hot uh, topic, not mm -hmm. only within the church, but within uh, culture, the news, American culture. Uh, media, and our culture right now. Uh, and so a big question was, what's the Southern Baptist Convention's opinion mm -hmm. on critical race theory? Do we agree with it? Do we believe that it is a, it's a good way to uh, bring about racial reconciliation yeah. uh, between our brothers and sisters who are in uh, different culture yeah. uh, churches there. And yeah, you know, well, what, I mean, what do we believe on that? My, so. pers my personal belief is that we don't reconcile races. We reconcile souls. Yeah. Uh, we need to get off the idea that critical race theory is an appropriate analytical tool. It is not. And so there was a lot of stuff there that needed to be said blatantly, and there seemed to be a lot of fear from the stage to do so. And I think it points to a bigger issue. But as far as critical race theory is concerned, in recent months, the influence of critical race theory uh, has really been dominating a large part of the conversation when it comes to how we think we're doing at the SBC. Um, so honestly, it comes down to, uh, I think it's a legitimate threat in the SBC. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, I think it's a legitimate threat. I, I think it got cast aside a lot by a lot of people. I felt like it was downplayed. Every was time like, someone, well, this isn't really as serious as you think it is. Every time someone came to the mic with, critical race theory on their tongue, it seemed that they were just immediately cast aside and scoffed by everybody who was holding a mic. I mean, that no one wanted to talk mm -hmm. about it. Everyone who was on stage leading this thing kind of just said, basically, it's not that big of a deal. And they wouldn't say that it's not that big of a deal in the culture. Mm -hmm. They d disavow it. I mean, they do not want it in the, they said it's bad. We all right. think it's bad. And they would say that we're like, it's bad, bad for everybody. But the church is not being threatened by this. And that to that, I would disagree. And I think yeah. that's a cocky statement to think that the church isn't. And I think one reason in particular is because of one thing that was not mentioned at all during the entire convention is a lot of churches leaning towards pragmatism. We have churches willing to water down doctrines. This is a fact to pander to culture for the sake of attendance to the culture under the guise of love and care. And in doing so, they've manipulated the gospel's yeah. ability to save people. We are one race. We are the human race. This is not a denial 
that racism exists. This is not a spit in the face of those demanding justice. Right. Those are different things. This is saying stop judging things based on the race of the individual. Pandering doesn't save. The truth and love saves. Mm-hmm. And so under James Merritt at the convention, uh, they passed resolution number two, which was titled the sufficiency of scripture for race and race reconciliation. And so many disagreed uh, with the semantics in that write up has everything to do with whether or not you see CRT influencing the way pastors preach and the way our professors teach. It was, it was an even split in the, in the room yeah. of, of whether or not you believed CRT a, was a real threat. Yeah. Word, word it specifically in yeah. the resolution or not. That, and that was probably the, the most disappointing take is to not be able to call out those things because you're so worried about who you're going to offend that go to your church. And that made me think there might be a little bit more fear and cowardice uh, than than presented. I I personally felt like uh, Al Mohler, when he was giving his uh, review of the seminary that he's president of Mm -hmm. and just what what they're teaching there, um, somebody asked him point blank about critical race theory. He denounced it. And he denounced it. And he also denounced racism. Yeah. And he said, uh, you, of course. you can't be racist yeah. um, and love Christ. Love Christ. <laughs> right. And you can't teach critical race theory and love the and word. Love the word. Right. And so I think that's where we need to be as churches is understanding that either end of this debate right. is unbiblical. Yeah. And as long as we keep that as the focus, then what does that bring us back to that all men are created equal in the sight of God and we're all redeemed by the blood of Christ. Absolutely. Amen. That's a really good point. And I want to end, I want us to end on a good note. Yes. I know that seems drawn out, but all of those things were a majority of the resolutions. Hours. I mean, mean, you guys were getting half an hour of our conversation and this was two and a half days (laughs) packed (laughs) three, three or four for some, depending on what they went to more than one conference of these packed houses talking about these issues to really make sure there was clarity among the messengers. Um, so that's our honest take with a lot of that. And again, Greg Corbin just does a great write up, but he ends and as well as we are going to end on the greatest reason to be a Southern Baptist. And it remains our two mission boards. Was that not impressive or what? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, man, you know, the focus is to spread the gospel and that's, that's encouraging. Um, I think, what did they say? It was like 66 uh, people were commissioned there while we were there. Um, and then just the amount that is given by SBC churches right. to the International Mission Board um, and the cooperative programs yeah. to send missionaries, to support missionaries and pastors all yeah. over the world um, and their families uh, as they go and, and just sh- share the love of Christ. I think it was the Monday night so. before the convention started where you had 65 new missionaries commissioned with the International Mission Board under Paul Chitwood, who is the president there, awesome leadership, uh, loves the Lord, loves missions. And uh, you had their families in the crowd, and you had silhouettes of these families on the stage behind this big screen because you can't see their faces for their own safety. Right. Some of them are going to these really serious areas like Afghanistan and Iraq and um, Saudi Arabia and, and and Korea. And so there's a lot of people moving all over Asia and uh, their families in the crowd, grandmothers, grandfathers crying because, you know, they're taking their grandkids with yeah. them. And just just some real heartbreaking, but yet God glorifying, yes. encouraging things that make me want to give and give and give to the NAMB and to the IMB. Um, the NAMB is planning churches all over the country, coordinates disaster relief, and again, emphasizes evangelism. But I want to draw this back. 
I'm happy to give to the NAMB and the IMB. I'm glad our church does. Our our church alone has given over $100,000 to these efforts in 2020. I mean, this yeah. is a church of 350 people. You know, the well might be bigger, but that's about what we run. And they're given that much because they believe in those things. That's not even counting our national offering totals. And so I think the IMB and NAMB are doing some exceptional work, and I applaud them. But the way and the reason why there is such a heavy hand in terms of conviction, heavy hand in terms of questioning where these new churches are doctrinally right. is because we have a big vessel mm-hmm. and we can put it anywhere and we're good at it. Right. But what's coming out of it? We have to make sure that the SBC no longer entertains pragmatic efforts or yeah. preaches moralism over the gospel. We have to make sure that doctrinally they are being held accountable. I, I think confession is one thing. Practice mm-hmm. is another. And yeah. that is where it bothers me a bit that we can't just admit that that's happening. Right. I mean, you look at Jehovah's Witness um, and other churches like that. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily call that a church, but that's a discussion for another day. But yeah. they're missionaries. They're going out right. and, and hungry and hungry to get and draw people so into that the church. Avenue. They have the So feet. what's different between them and us? The truth. The truth. The doctrine. So you can't say it's all about mission yeah. and none about doctrine and where we stand. It's all about the gospel and, and um, the mission is the avenue by which right, we transport exactly, the gospel. Exactly. And that's and so, what we, and I, and I think you'll get that. You'll get that from our leaders. Look, I yes. want to again commend the Florida Baptist convention. Like I, I talked to Jimmy Scroggins, Dean and Sarah, Tom Buck, Owen Strachan, all have great things to say about the Florida Baptist convention. Tommy Green, Craig Colbreth. These are just awesome Christian men. You won't find better men. So I can't wait for September. I'm on the loans committee myself on the mission board. Uh, uh, several large churches um, in Florida need to be going to the credentials committee because of the idol of pragmatism. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that every church in Florida is perfect. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah. But we need to focus on evangelism with good doctrine. I'm so glad it's a big vessel and I'm so glad I can go anywhere. But what we pump out to the people matters greatly. And we've talked about pragmatism several times here. If you want to know what that is, go back and listen to the roundtable we did with Pastor Brian Winburn right. last week. Exactly. Uh, and we, it, we Please dive into pragmatism in depth. Um, and so it's very important going forward. We're yeah. going to be mentioning pragmatism uh, quite a bit because it's a uh, current cultural issue that is yeah. really um, creeping into a lot of churches. Yeah, and the uh, the ERLC was Ethics, Religious, and Liberty Commission, once headed up by Russell Moore, but he had, he's, as of recently left the SBC and now works mm-hmm. for Christianity Today. And Daniel Patterson, one of his uh, cohorts there, is now temporarily in the main seat. For those of you who don't know, the Ethics, Religious, Liberty Commission is just supposed to be the political voice of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, I'm currently not a fan but, but only 5% of our cooperative dollars head there compared to nearly 75% for missions. So we just need to get some perspective here. Um, I, I can have my own opinions about that as well as you, yeah. but I don't think it was barely, it was barely talked about at the yeah. SBC. I, I don't really, really didn't remember much just, about it. No, I think we kind of covered some of the bigger issues. But Jack Graham said this, our SBC entities exist to serve our churches. Our churches do not exist to serve our entities. And I think that's a healthy reminder for why the Southern Baptist Convention is so uh, wonderfully unique in how it is um, structured. Yeah. That this is about local church and local congregation. How many times did I say on that trip that nothing made me miss my local church more than going to one of these national meetings? <laughs> I thought you were going to go shout it from a microphone <laughs> one time there. You know, one or two so times there. Our official statement 
That was a 30-minute <laughs> whirlwind uh, It is. Our, our official statement is we have no intentions of getting out of the SBC. Uh, and for the next year, we take things a year at a time here. Our funding won't change in percentage. Uh, we are hopeful that if it is wrong, if things are wrong, if things aren't being done well, and God is preserving and sustaining the SBC for his glory and his glory alone, that those things will be brought to light. Mm-hmm. And I'm confident that we will have wonderful, amazing leaders um, that are local and some on a national level who will fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I am still a, a Southern Baptist. and But before anything, before even any denomination, I'm a child of God because of salvation, because of the grace of God through Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, through faith in him alone, that we believe and repent. We are sons and daughters of the king. And so that is first and foremost what we are. Never get lost up in your entity. Right. Get lost exactly. in Christ. And again, we come back to that, come back home right away, uh, we are sponsoring this missionary family and we commissioned a woman, a young woman out that yeah. we love very much to serve overseas and a family joins the church and I'm just slowly reminded of God's goodness over okay. all these other issues. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was really important. And on a light note, we uh, ate some great food while we were there. So We did have some great food. So we ate the Hattie, Hattie B's chicken, chicken, but I think the best thing we had was Loveless Cafe. Yeah. So if you're ever Fall in Nashville, second with the legendary milkshake bar, <laughs> we weren't going to mention the legendary milkshake <laughs> bar because we wouldn't really need to focus on gluttony over yeah, the next few yeah. weeks. Those <laughs> Dylan got a strawberry cheesecake milkshake at this place and, and it had a cheesecake yeah. on top of the glass. It was pretty amazing. Adam, Adam you got a death by chocolate. <laughs> I think it was the name. Of, <laughs> Except I look like I ate the whole thing and you look like you just smelled the top. You of know, it. you really helped me. I gained a whole half a pound. You there probably already there, burned so. it off. Yeah, I think I did. I actually dropped, dropped a pound. In two <laughs> but if you, uh, that's our take and I'm so glad I'm only going to give that once a year, yeah. but I'd much rather talk about other things. Um, but those are important things. And so go back, listen again. Uh, if you have any questions at all, email, message us. We'd love mm-hmm. to talk to you about it. Most importantly, pass the round table for sure. So we'd love to just hear from you. And please have conversations with other pastors that you trust, other pastors, and yeah. get their takes. Uh, this is not the gospel, what we are declaring. This is our take. This is what we think. And so we want to make sure that we are differentiating between the two. There's only one gospel. There could be several takes from what happened yeah. uh, this past and submit your questions uh, comments to us uh, we always want to hear those and we're always looking for topics of things that you as our listeners want to hear more about that we can bring and incorporate into our roundtables here absolutely right I think it's ready to send a clay for cut thanks Dylan I appreciate you buddy yep. alright everybody Pastor. join us up on the next roundtable have a good week <laughs>